been here yeah, forever. One year, really? Mm-hmm. That's flown by. I know. In some ways, it seems like nothing, and then in other ways, it's like wow. I feel like I've been here a long, lot longer than that. Yeah. You know, it doesn't feel like I've known and then you I, for that I, long. I can count um, almost on one hand, maybe two, the number of people I've met in person, like in person. What's your start date? June eight. Nice. Well, happy mm-hmm. year anniversary. That's great. Thank you. Well, Thank I'm surprised. You. I I would have guessed you'd been here eight months if if I had been quizzed when I zo- joined the Zoom. Yeah, probably eight months. Mm. Hmm. But there we go. Interesting. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I've gone through fits and starts of feeling like I haven't been doing enough and gosh, there's so much to learn and then um, feeling pretty good about the end of the year and being able to take a lot of things I've been researching all year and kind of pull them together into a strategy finally and find a home for myself and my work. So, yeah, that's great. Very cool. We're on our Mm -hmm. last uh, step number four, learn. That's what I thought. Minimally viable crisis leadership model. I still don't have a shorter name for it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I just won't at this point. What would the letters be? M-V-C-L-M? V-C-L-M. I don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping someone that's lost as me is Googling around at the next crisis and, <laughs> and finds our discussions. That would be nice. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with CLM all by itself. And uh, then, yeah. It's not mm-hmm. comprehensive, though. Like, it's more individual. That's okay. I-C-L-M, C-L-M. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't mind I-C-L-M at all. With the little I, like on, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of uh. clever. Dude, that's clever. Okay. I like it. Well, you heard it here. I don't think I don't think Apple has patented the use of the tiny i. Like you cannot use the lowercase yeah. i in anything. It's internet, right? So like internet <laughs> Mac, internet pad. Well, yeah. Oh, right, right. Yes. Yeah. Mhm. That's mm-hmm. funny. Yeah. So yours means something different. So. Individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Which is what you think of when I you like think it. of iPad. You sort of think of for you. Yeah. yeah. Technically, I oh that that makes it even more clever. I'll bet they didn't think of that when they're not not even they are that smart. Oh, you don't think so? I always thought it was intentional. You thought really? Was, I mean, I don't know. Steve Jobs is really was yeah. really smart, but I don't know that did he think about every angle of what the eye would or do? Or was it serendipitous? Know. Maybe did, did someone realize it? Maybe after the fact. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, guess we'll, we'll never, never know. know. Never know. I'm sure anyone who was involved would say it was intentional. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, it'd be much more. It would be a much more entertaining and transparent and like leadership e conversation yeah. if they yeah. didn't like our topics. If you, if one could admit how much was skill versus timing versus serendipity versus. So you know. it's funny you mentioned that. Did you watched Breaking Bad? I'm sure, right? Oh so, yes, I had I had uh, strep throat and I binged oh, nice. the whole thing in like five days. So there's like this cult following. Yeah. And there's this, it's sort of a meme where uh, Walter and Skylar are uh, eating at this Mexican food restaurant. And there's all these mm-hmm. like circles and like the napkins are blue and they're like calling out all these things that are, you know, intentionally placed there it, as a joke because everybody, you know, they got really deep into the foreshadowing and, and things like that. And there mm-hmm. was this one scene in the last season where, you know, Walter's talking to Skylar, they're in the kitchen and his face is like in the microwave. You can see the reflection of his face like perfectly. And after the mm. show, they had the writers on. There was like this commentary after the show. And one of the journalists asked, you know, the writer, Vince Vince Gill- Gillian or something like that, right? Um, like, oh, that was really powerful when Walter White's face was in the microwave. 
And he goes, yeah, that was an accident. <laughs> we, we, didn't mean to, we didn't mean to shoot it like that, but it, it worked out well for us. So funny. it is funny. Highlight reels are like that, right? We talk about sports all the time. You just play a mm-hmm. thousand, two thousand, ten thousand times and, you know, you're going to get these long tails. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Totally. Anyway, I guess, you know, that's kind of, that's tangentially related to this last piece of the model, which is learn. There's no sense in going through a crisis if you're not going to get better from it because it's so, they're so painful. Like, this is terrible. Like, the, I'm, I'm ready to get back mm-hmm. to some semblance of normalcy. Like, my kids miss their friends. There's mm-hmm. probably wasn't as effective, definitely wasn't as effective over the last year and a half. Certainly some things mm-hmm. are more efficient. But there's mm-hmm. a Goldilocks. It's not 100% in person. It's not 100% remote. But it's somewhere in between, and we're we're at the the other extreme. And so, you know, what can you take and learn from this so that you can be better on the next one? Sort of inoculate mm-hmm. yourself from the next one, and maybe teach others. Yeah, you know, be in a better position to lead those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And we've we've threaded learning through this entire topic. I think like every every episode. I think we've we've. Uh, pulled on a thread of learning or an a thread of reflection. I think there's a lot to there's there's so much to glean from every single day's worth of reflection, whether it's micro or macro or a conversation for everything from a conversation that could have been handled better to a mass communication to a big decision. It, you almost get into thinking about in this scenario, what would single, double, and triple loop learning look like? Yeah, let let maybe let's start there. So single loop is for those listening who don't know, and I'm not super familiar with this. Triple loop learning is learning how to learn. Single loop is following the rules, right? So single mode, you know, it's like if if the room is too cold, turn up the heat kind of thing. Um, mm. So not a lot of complexity there. Um, limited reactions, you know, those kind of things. In the double mm-hmm. loop, they say sort of changing the rules so you can reflect on whether the rules should be changed, right? We This happens in organizations all the time. So double loop is very healthy. This happens in government. Like any human endeavor, mm-hmm. double loop makes sense. You, you don't just do things to do things and mindlessly you think about, hey, this when I go down this path, it's kind of awkward. What if we did it this way? And mm-hmm. so... Some people may call that thinking outside the box, but you know, I kind of view it as more linear. Like we're very incrementalist as as humans, right? We very rarely do like a mm-hmm. quantum leap. It's always a hundred little things that coalesce into a bigger thing. So mm-hmm. if you if your organization is not constantly looking at changing rules, which is hard to do because they're hard enough to like get get everything approved and codified and written down, and then then you have to go and change them. That's tough. And then triple loop learning about learning. So ref- reflecting on how we learn in the first place. So mm-hmm. you're sort of thinking about, almost thinking about rule generation in that case, right? So you can understand more about ourselves, beliefs, perceptions, like the underlying factors, or a double loop mm-hmm. learning about double loop learning, which that's very meta. What I I think about when I hear the different definitions, applications, whatever that you're giving these is, we, you mentioned the word complex. There's, I see single loop learning as really only applying to a complicated situation. Double loop, probably also complicated, maybe, maybe a complex situation. Triple loop learning would be the only way to deal with a, a, a complex situation like the one we've been in. So you'd have to, you'd have to apply single loop learning and sometimes double loop learning to the micro details of the experience that you had 
as a leader inside COVID, the very predictable components, right? So that the the word that that sticks out to me that seems to align with single is predictability. The outcome will be X. If I'm too hot, I turn down the heater, then I will cool off. A plus B equals C. And there's no there's no deviation from that, which means that a complicated problem, a simple or a complicated problem could be could be reflected on and addressed with single loop learning. Double would double loop learning would apply to complicated things and perhaps um, a complex scenario, but triple loop learning is designed for complex problems. Yeah, and it's reflecting on the really the entire system, I think is what you're saying. Yes. So, soccer popped into my mind, I guess, to begin with. I don't know if this is going to be right, but there's each every game is sort of unique in what rules are enforced and how strictly, right? Like mm-hmm. th- there's a common rule book, which you might think of as the single loop. You know, this is a foul, this kind of thing. But then when the game is in flow, there's like a human referee and human players and human coaches, and they're all sort of in negotiation around what the rules are, how they're enforced. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you hear it like the referee's really letting them play today or they're really strict today, you know, those kind of things. And and so you're even though the rules themselves don't change, there there's a there's almost a recognition of how the game's being officiated and people adapt accordingly. When you get into triple loop though, it's really I think questioning and rewriting not only the rules themselves, but what like what's the intent behind them? You know, this this rule is here for player safety, but it really negatively impacts over in this other space. Like, let's try to address these things sort of together, maybe as a way to like you're talking about dynamics. You're talking about almost like you may get a conversational yellow card where you and I may be discussing a, a problem, an issue, but then the way we're engaging in the discussion is not appropriate, right? And so mm-hmm. it's like, let's change how we talk about this so that we can address this other thing. You almost, it's like an, almost an onion or something, uh, yes. I think. Is, yes. And I, I went from soccer to conversation, but, you know, as we talk about it, I think that triple loop is, is always kind of eluded me, but that makes a little bit more sense mm-hmm. where you're incorporating architecting more. And sometimes you have to change things about the process so you can even get to the point where you talk about the issue, that kind of thing. It, it's funny that you say the triple loop eludes you because I feel that way too. Yet I think people observing us would observe the exact opposite because we are both kind of kind of designed as systems thinkers. And it's it's pretty natural actually to look at the system in its components and then look at the whole and then look at the bigger system. You just do it without thinking about it sometimes. Um, and that really is that's the triple loop learning, the piece that keeps reflecting on how the pieces are connected and how the bigger pieces should be should should be adjusted to address the micro. Yeah, and maybe in some that sense that's what this podcast is. <laughs> now, I think there's there's a danger here and and the reason why we're kind of nerding out about this is it's important to think about what we mean when we say learn. If you're in a single loop state of mind and you're just breaking rules to break them, that's not that's where i think dysfunction comes into play there has to be this consideration you know it's like master the rules before you break them or things like that right that's kind of a mm-hmm. maybe a good way to think about it is like understanding what is in place thinking through the consequences and then choosing to go down a different path is that's where mm-hmm. the double loop coming in, it comes in it's it's a little too naive just to say just to break the rules okay right. so in this case um, we're talking about Double loop and triple loop learning. Then, when we're when we're talking about the, Pro- the framework, probably, 
Probably. Yes, I think so. I think so. I think there are probably some single loop items that would come in, but they are less, they're less impactful almost. So double and triple are more interesting in dealing with the level of complexity of the last several podcasts that we've had all around, you know, crisis leadership. I would bet I'm thinking about some of the other, like one of your other topics here around journaling, around the discipline of journaling so that you can reflect constantly on your learnings. I would bet that even that trying to get into that habit wouldn't just be difficult because of a time management standpoint. I think it would be difficult because you almost don't know where to start. Yeah, totally. So I got this advice a year ago and I do not have a journaling habit, but I think it's a key aspect, at least in a crisis. So I use day one. It's on the Mac. It's on the phone, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And it's a private, you can think of it like a private social media, right? So You Mm -hmm. can put posts in there, you can put pictures, videos, whatever, but nobody can see it. And so it's perfect because the thoughts you're capturing are, they'll they'll be combined later, you'll you'll be able to synthesize or distill them later. You don't know what, you don't know what anything means right now because you're, you're in a crisis, you don't have time to think about the future long enough to make sense of what you're writing down because you're in this, you sort of collapsed your, your timeline, right? And so, Mm -hmm. and we felt that I think over the last year, I mean, this time last year, we were thinking yes. days and weeks, right? Now we're kind of looking at <laughs> right. months, <laughs> that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, when are, we, when are we coming back? Sure. You know, those kind of deals. And so I, when I think I, I got enough of a habit, I probably got it 80% right 80% of the time, where when something happened, when someone said something smart, when I saw a quote that I liked, whatever, I would open up day one, or I would even, sometimes even just have it open, and there's a little, like, Mac icon, and I would just write it down and... and then it's there. And I didn't look at anything for a year. I just captured. That's it. And what we're talking about now is a is a synthesis, a pass through a journal of the last year where I said, one thing I wrote down is, I don't know what I'm doing in a crisis. I felt really good about my skill set. You know, I got promoted in January. I feel really good about my ability to lead in good times, but that's so easy compared to least speaking. <laughs> like, the, you know, we're, we are beneficiaries of a a tide that raises all ships, right? And mm-hmm. those that kind of thing. And so I wanted to make sure, even if I could create something that, if I had a brief moment to go back in time and hand something to me, like this would be useful. So this is kind of, you know, my first stab at that. And you know, journaling is yeah. good. And if whenever you get that That's feeling, good. like something surprises you or moves you, you know, and you can get to the point where you write it down, not even all the time, but 80% of the time, I think you'll be in a, in a good place and you can always just review it later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I, I have a um a habit of journaling. I have like a prayer meditation journal that I write in regularly. Um, but it's it's very it's I won't say I can't say it's narrow, but it doesn't have it has more to do with like reflections of my my spirit, my other self, you know, as a I don't write about my much about like my daily events or I might write about how some how I'm rethinking about something. Um, or something that I'm dealing with and needing to um, parse out. But I don't, like this type of journaling, I do very little of, almost none. Probably none, actually. <laughs> Which then is frustrating when I would like to have set, have something to go back and kind of reflect on. Uh, I have to draw almost exclusively on, you know, memory or being able to dig up an email or something. It's certainly not the best way. Yeah, and I can't remember if we've talked about this, but two images that I have, they're 
within the first 10 entries. So again, this time last year, one was this Olympic, Japan Olympic countdown timer, like a big clock Mm -hmm. uh, with these little characters by it and stuff. And it was like, yeah, countdown to the 2020 Olympics. And it was supposed to be like really, you know, Japan got all this credit for like this really stellar logo that they made and everything was, there's a lot of optimism around, you know, this thing going really well. And then it all kind of evaporated. And (laughs) then I think I mentioned the Champions League last year. So soccer, a couple of teams playing. One of them was PSG. So, and there were no fans in the stands. And this was before they had the fan noise sort of piped in. And it even cut the artificial noise reacts to what's going on. Right. (laughs) But it was, it was completely silent in this super large stadium, one of the largest stadiums in the world. And it sounded like an indoor volleyball game. Like you could hear the players yelling and it was like they would score a goal, but there was no like, you know, energy from the crowd kind of thing. It was very, very bizarre. And those two things still stick in my mind around like, oh my gosh, this is, this was before the wave sort of hit the US. And so you could see it slowly coming. We weren't sure what to make of it. And I Mm -hmm. think those are helpful emotions to reflect on and tie back to when, you know, we're over a year into this thing and fatigue is setting in and Sometimes you question the the decisions you made back then, but it's like, oh no, those were like, who could have known this was all going to play out this way, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So yeah, it's super helpful, even if you're not sure if if what you're capturing is useful. I think you'll you'll find a way to make sense of it and distill it later. Yep. That's a really good practice. I think it's got to be private too. This is not, you can't put enough polish on it in the moment to publish it anywhere. That can come later. Sure. What's the quote? Right, drunk, edit, sober. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, you're, you're right. In truth, it would have to be completely private because then I think you'd be free to share your frustrations as well. Yep. Frustrations with, you know, situations, people, yourself, everything. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Have we talked about the hero's journey yet? Did we talk about that? We've yeah. touched on it, but... Either... You could think of Harry Potter. You could think of Lord of the Rings. Are you, You're you a Harry Potter fan, right? I am. I am both okay. of those things. So it's kind of funny, like when... So in The Hobbit, when Bilbo Baggins went and originally sort of found the ring and came back, you know, that was... They call... In the book, it's all about, like, the adventure. He was, like, mm-hmm. not the same. He was such a unique being that there was no... Mm-hmm. He identified more with elves than he did hobbits, right? Like, he could not go, really yeah. go back and live at the Shire anymore. He was, yeah. like, a different... Yeah person same thing happened with frodo same thing with harry potter right like you're not you become something different i think when you go through something like this and that that's important to know and if you look at the trajectory of heroes and villains heroes are created because they are consistently making the right choice and villains are created because they're consistently making a hundred small bad choices and so if you want to be a hero in a crisis, it's very easy to be a villain too. And it's not sometimes, m- most of the time, probably not intentional. I think thinking about the, the hero's journey and, and what kind of act towards the kind of person you want to become, the kind of leader you want to become, I think could be a healthy guide in the moment when you're not sure what to do. Yeah, that's a really good point. I also like the way you, you talked about the villain because it gives the benefit of the doubt to that to assume that it's it is a hundred small bad choices set like one after another set down a path as opposed to someone which there are very there are a few there's a handful right but the 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 population of quote quote villains 
they're not nefarious by nature. They just make some bad decisions and then um, also are, are completely changed. In Lord of the Rings, obviously, Smeagol is one of the perfect exactly. examples, right? Like one little decision after another, and then you you can't find the person that used to be there. And and it's we're talking about fiction, but it reflects this sort of core fundamental truth. And I mean, this science yes. is there, right, to back this up. When you engage in a behavior, the wi- you're physiologically changing. The wiring in your brain is mm-hmm. adapting to the behavior you're you're exhibiting. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why, like, we're really big on like our kids not lying because. Again, like you do it a lot, it comes easy. You know, that's yep. a that's a thing to fight against. But, you know, if you're I, someone I, I deeply respect early on in the crisis said, hey, we're going to go down this path. I'm not super thrilled with the way I behaved in the last crisis. And I'm, I'm not I'm not putting myself in a position where I have to live with that again. So we're, we're going to do this right away. Hmm. And uh, I was hmm. thinking, man, OK, well, I don't know what to do right now, but I definitely trust you and let's go. And yeah. so even if you make That's the wrong really decision, you can always make the right decision later. History is mm-hmm. filled of, of those sort of redemption stories. That's part of the hero's journey too. So, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. There's an element of of doubling down that is always so fascinating to me. I could I could research this one until, I don't know, the proverbial cows come home, I guess, because there is something about there's something so illogical sometimes about people making a bad, making one small bad decision or telling one small lie. And then this idea of, I mean, you've heard, you've heard and read all and seen so many examples, but it never ceases to amaze me. One's inability or one's ability to architect enough of an alter reality piece by piece that you keep doubling down on a bad decision. And sometimes we see it with clients when there's a commitment that's been made that's a big financial commitment right like you've either you've either banked your career on a certain partnership or architecture or something you know software purchase blah 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 or um you have to make it work because somebody else made that decision that's that's a little different than the levels of self-deception that come from this those steps one after another that say if at any point in time one were to able able to have that aha moment or that you know, come to Jesus moment or whatever you want to call it that says, wait, I actually can stop this whole snowball if, I, if I'm honest about like, here's what happened. Here's the mistake I made. I don't have to make these mistakes again. I actually can stop and back up. Um, I had a, a boss once who used to call that whole process, making sure that you're on the right side of history, even in yeah. the micro, like reflecting, constantly reflecting and realizing that because society is complex and there are so many changes around you all the time, you're constantly misstepping. And the best you can do is be constantly reflective and introspective so that to the best of your ability, you're ending up on the right side of history. I, I don't, this is, it, it, this is a little bit on the forefront of my mind because I was speaking with someone earlier this week who had asked my advice about stepping off of a board because of behaviors that they observed that were not quite illegal, but borderline illegal and just asking for some some advice there. And, you know, the best thing I could say to that person was, if you're already witnessing this doubling down, this sort of small pattern of repeat behavior that's heading in an unhealthy direction and warnings are going unheard, this is this is a harbinger of bad things to come. But I, I it it never ceases to amaze me the human brain's ability to forget those things, those mistakes intentionally 
and architect a different a scenario in which they make sense. Yeah. That- You've hit on a fundamental, <laughs> I think, truth, like a, almost a first principle of humanity, right? Where all the people we lionize as sort of the best, greatest leaders on the planet to ever exist, they were all deeply flawed because they're human. Mm-hmm. But they were, in some sense, sort of like stumbling forward. And there was an maybe an honesty about that. I don't know if that's the right term. And then on the other side, that that doubling down is really what sinks you. I think that's like a core, you know, if, you, if you talk about these behaviors that happen thousands of times that turn you into the person you eventually become, the, that idea of doubling down on the, on the unhelpful, on the negative, on the immoral, you know, starting small and it just snowballs like that's, that's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. If, if I think about, and you've asked the question to me before several times, both in, you know, podcasts and offline, this idea of what was the thing you learned? What was the one thing you learned? What would you, you know, what would you tell someone or what would you tell your past self or whatever? And I get that. I like, I was like those kind of reflective questions, but I, it's kind of where I go in my mind. Here's the micro macro constantly. When when we even talk about journaling, I can't. I have to ask myself like, well, what's the point? And the point is all to remember something important to learn from it. That's my point. Everyone else can pick their own definitions of what the point is, but I can't do that without that fundamental belief that is part nature, part nurture, part corporate training from lots of people that I respect. Reflecting of being finding whatever whatever works or whatever triggers are unique to an individual find a way to figure out how to be honestly and vulnerably reflective I, I, expect that perfection is never going to be the outcome but if you can reflect and you can have people in your life who can help you with that reflection you are less likely to end up a villain you're more likely to be able to course correct yeah, definitely. This took an interesting turn. I think this, uh, you know, definitely the idea of creating a playbook or synthesizing what you've learned that it would have been helpful to you. Like a good proxy is this would have been helpful to me when the crisis started. Because mm-hmm. there's always someone who's going to be in the same spot you were at some point in the future. And so that's mm-hmm. really helpful and that'll help sort of galvanize the the wisdom and learning in your head so that you can do better on the next one. And maybe that's a good proxy, mm-hmm. right? Like if you think about where you added the last crisis, so the, the last macro global crisis for us would have been probably the financial crisis, 2008. I was more individual contributor then, so I had no, I had no like material impact on a team or anything like that. And now it's different, right? And so mm-hmm. 10 years from now when we're you and I are on episode 357 and we're talking about the next one, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, I guess it would be 500 and something, but... You know, hopefully that'll will be more effective in that crisis as well, which I think we will. And I maybe next we time we'll talk about some things we can do during good times to inoculate ourselves a little bit, maximize our chances <laughs> when we get into the next one, kind of like combat mm-hmm. training or something like that. Yeah, right. we'll uh, maybe we'll talk about that. <laughs> That's a good one. That's cool. a good one. Anything else on this one? I don't think so. This is a great way to end this series, by the way, like with a full reflection. Yeah. Yeah. Totally unintentional to go back. <laughs> I think these, the order, I'm trying to think back, decide, communicate, forgive, learn. I don't, I don't know that there was, there was a lot of intentionality in the order there, but um, I think they are ordered correctly though, now that we're talking about it. Yeah, me yeah, too. Cool. All right. Well, it's late on Friday. Later for you. Have a great weekend. Thank you. I will. Yeah.